masturbation, consent, intuition, menstruation, ejaculation. Welcome to episode five of Smells Like Teen Parent, a podcast for adolescents and the adults who annoy them. I'm your host, Jenny Debevic a counselor and academic consultant with 20 years experience working with youth. In the last episode, we talked about that roller coaster ride of teen friendships. And in this episode, we take a look at one of the biggest landmines and causes of tongue-tiedness that comes with raising this generation in bloom. Sex. 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 And puberty. Mom, just stop. You're embarrassing me. What are the most pressing concerns of teens and their adult givers today? What do they want to tell you but can't? What really goes on in school bathrooms? What does evolving understanding of sex and gender identity mean in terms of sex education? Featuring our awesome guest experts from One Medical, Nina Metzavara, FNP, and Maya Brooking, PA. I'm Maya. I am a PA with One Medical Group. I've been practicing medicine for about nine years now. Puberty is just something that I have come to see as a woefully undereducated part of our society in the U.S. It was just so wide, the lack of knowledge, and it just really inspired me to try to utilize the virtual platform that One Medical has to kind of disseminate good education and take away the squirmy, shameful parts of talking about puberty in our bodies. I'm Nina Metzavara. I'm a nurse practitioner. I've been practicing about six years, but before I became a uh, NP, I worked in sex education, particularly as a sex and health educator. I work particularly LGBTQI youth and jobs teaching sex ed curriculums of all variety. And I started doing that work, creating awareness around ways to prevent, you know, sexual assault um, and also support LGBTQ community as a person who's queer and non-binary and as a primary care provider doing gender affirming care and specialize in contraception like IUDs, Nexplanon, colposcopy, and really enjoy bringing fun to the office visit. My room's filled with color, filled with vulvas, filled with lactation (laughs) and, you know, all the things that I can possibly do to make people feel as safe and and as comfortable as they can um, during exams and during regular visits. Just, ew. Can we talk about something else? As the episode winds up, I just want to remind you that you're an important part of advancing the way we support our adolescent community. By listening, downloading, following, sharing this podcast, you help spread the word for a world who wants better relationships. Happy, healthier teens make happy, healthier adults. And that means our society is less likely to end up in a zombie apocalypse where we eat each other's brains and have fights in line over who gets the last roll of toilet paper in the grocery store. I want to give a shout out to all the listeners in New Zealand who helped launch us to the top 25 in parenting podcasts and top 75 in family podcasts. Now, as part of my social justice mission to put my money where my mouth is, Smells Like Teen Parent donates to nonprofits supporting the youth community. This episode, we're sending our proceeds from every download for the next month to My Gender Dolls. My Gender Dolls are a therapeutic tool in which kids can select bodies, genitals, clothes, and other accessories as 
a way to visualize their anatomy and genders so all kids can see themselves represented. My Gender Dolls shows kids that their gender identity and the gender identity of others is valid, no matter what parts they have. All right, as we get into this squirmiest episode so far, uh, just want to know it has forced me to look at where my own discomfort and cultural upbringing may be limiting my effectiveness to guide and be a resource. Let's hear from Maya about why this is so hard to talk to our kids about sex. For so long, we have just wriggled our way out of and hoped someone else would cover. And that doesn't even include the experience a gender expansive kid has. And there is a statistic that only 6% of gender expansive kids have had any puberty or sex ed that actually addresses their needs and experience. It's humbling. It is so humbling. I'm also mindful of the code of ethics around speaking on these topics with minors, so I had to adapt this format a little bit. How does a baby get made? By a boobie. And finally, a disclaimer. I am not a doctor or a licensed therapist. If you have concerns about what is happening with your body or with the developments of your adolescent, please make an appointment with your healthcare specialist or professional. Let's start with what we can agree on. We want to keep our teens safe and healthy. Maya, why did you create the One Medical Empowered Puberty Program? in creating this program and just like continuously (laughs) putting it forth to my leadership was to say, let's create a safe, courageous space to have these conversations without running away in fear, without stigmatizing or using language that's hurtful to the child or is completely dismissive of who they are. So the great news about this program is that it is something anyone can enroll in. You do not have to be a One Medical member to participate in this program. So both parents, if they're not One Medical members, kids, if they're not One Medical members, it does not matter. This is something that we are offering for everyone. Adult caregivers of teens, this is for you. I know, I know. We think we've got this. In one large survey, only 19% of parents said they felt uncomfortable talking with their teens. That's right. We're doing a good job talking to our teens about sexuality and sex health. Hey, we're even using the anatomically correct language. Testicles, clitoris, masturbation, no problemo. We give ourselves a pat on the back and maybe even make a clever little post on our social media accounts about how modern we really are. But hold on there, Elvis. This same Planned Parenthood survey found that half, that's 50%, of all teens feel uncomfortable talking with their parents about sex. For all our cool adult intentions, we are failing to talk about sex stuff in a way that helps teens in the ways they need it most. Oh, don't worry. Chloe just explained to me what all the bases mean. Research shows that teens think parents are doing a mediocre job at this stuff. Even though lots of parents are ready and eager to have the talk, we are and tell me if you've heard this one before, doing it wrong. The conversation, I mean, not the doing it. Well, I mean, never mind. I didn't know what 69 was, so I Googled it. 42% of parents believe they've been talking with their teen regularly, many times about how to say no to sex, but only 27% of teens agree. No, I don't have any questions. I already know everything. So what's with the disconnect? Nina, you're a nurse practitioner. Help me out here. You know, with what I uh, have been bringing to the work that I've been doing with Maya's project is really making sure that we're using language 
language that really encompasses everyone and affirms every person of every ability of every gender sexuality and you know that takes practice for everyone no matter where we're at in our own process of learning only small percentages of teens report that they plan to discuss sexuality related topics with their parents in the future which suggests that they're uncomfortable with what those conversations might yield parents being angry shaming them or making them feel guilty of course we don't want to lose this opportunity to help keep our kids safe we don't want to lose the opportunity to teach them how to say no, how to protect themselves, and how to respect themselves. And so I have totally reworked my language around all of these things because we all need to know what's going on with each other's process of puberty because it makes us more empathetic and understanding as to why it might be difficult to be dealing with X, Y, or Z. And it makes us advocates for each other to say, oh, this person identifies as that. Okay, I know what that is. I identify. Um, um, as this, and we can be friends. You know, it's just creating this safety for everyone, no matter what their terms are. And I've been really working on changing my own language because I felt very woke about these conversations. But then I quickly found that I still was very much talking about girls and their periods and guys and their wet dreams or whatever. And I needed to remove those very restrictive terms because people of all types can experience those things. I'm just super proud of the fact that we are putting forth a program where everybody's represented and they can hear the terms that they use about themselves and their friends and their family. It's, it's a space for everybody. One key takeaway here is that we adults are in need of the sex ed skills so we can make our teens more comfortable talking with us and we can help them make responsible and informed choices. Maya, can you give me an example of an issue or a question or a theme that we should be addressing with middle school adolescent, the tween group. What consent means at that stage. And then, you know, we're not all the, that age group, 8 to 12, has a whole big range of things going on. You know, some of them have already dabbled with um, sexual activity and some are completely naive to the process. And so there's a huge range there. So our goal is to kind of give a good foundation and then part of our parent support is providing a list of resources that is very comprehensive for kids with disabilities, kids that are intersex, kids that are gender expansive, kids that are um, heteronormative, like all of these things, they are going to be needed. Well, I, I see a lot of stuff accidentally on YouTube. Parents play a critical role in helping their teens protect themselves from unintended pregnancy and STDs. According to an expansive survey by Planned Parenthood of over 2,000 families with teens, talking with them about sex and making sure that they can make responsible choices is crucial for successful adulthood. And hey, we don't know nothing. This Planned Parenthood survey also showed that among teens who had intercourse, most of their parents, 81%, knew it. Although only 45% of parents knew once their teen had oral sex. So while our teen may never ask us what a wet dream or 69 is, they might be responsive to open conversations about self-respect, integrity, healthy boundaries. They're willing to hear this if we keep the shame out of it. I'll just keep saying that because shame is poison in your relationship with your kid. I asked Nina and Maya, the medical professionals, how we can make these conversations about sex, sexuality, gender identity, more inclusive, empowered, effective 
objective and honest. What is some of it like, how do you train parents? There's different approaches depending on the circumstance and why someone might be coming to a particular space asking questions. For this particular, you know, program that we're hoping to disseminate across different parts of our regions and market at One Medical is to really give the language first, right? Like showing by modeling, right? And then providing a space to practice with an, another person who's an adult and a parent. So we have uh, a goal of having a actual adult part of the process where the parents and the caregivers will be kind of debriefing with a moderator who is a parent, who is a parent of a, a gender non-conforming, non-binary child as well. And then being able to then have that space separate for the young folks to also ask questions in a space that feels private and, and also supportive in a way that maybe they couldn't ask things with their parents. And then being able to kind of put those together and provide resources for how those conversations can look in between our program visits and also even after the program is over so that we know that this is an ongoing learning process for everyone. We can give a plethora of information and hopefully if people have more than one kid, they leave then knowing how to support their other child even more so. That's one of the things that I'm super excited about equipping parents to do. Our first presentation is just to parents. I'm kind of ripping the band-aid off as to where the gaps are and giving them the language and the conversation starters to delve in with their child. And then one month later, we're having the kids come back and they're, they'll be divided into tweens and teens. And then the parents will be a separate doctor with One Medical. And she's going to navigate that follow-up and debrief and just really trying to create a humble space for not just the parents, but the kids too. And saying, we're really trying here. We're trying to figure out the language. This is a lot different than when we were growing up, but we're here to learn. One gift of the social justice movements like Me Too is the collective recognition that too often, boundaries of respect and consent are willfully abused. Me Too gave us a platform to speak up and say, no, I did not want that. I did not give you consent. It's okay to be not okay. Having worked with teens since 2001 when I started as a high school teacher, I am encouraged how I am seeing teens having more emboldened, honest conversations with adults and one another, in which they emphasize respect and consent as integral to their school health curriculum, and in their relationships. Let's hear what our guest speakers have to say about the way the face of sex ed is changing. We're just, we've been brainstorming amongst our own team about just ways that we can help our kids engage in conversations that have historically been shameful and kind of brushed under the rug and kept in a dark corner and everyone dodges the eye contact and runs away. So we're trying to build this brave, safe, Space, not just for our kids, but for the parents who are really, really trying in so many cases and just don't know what is what things are called anymore. They feel disconnected from the language and all of these things. It's like they need a space too. And they're trying and we don't want to be dismissive to their process. We just want to bring everybody together and get people on the same page. The truth is there is no single the talk. And as much as we'd like to think that we can set the rules and parameters for a nice little chat about intercourse and sexual development. The truth is, it often catches us off guard. In one survey of 900 young adults on how they learned about conception, 
puberty, relationships, and sexual decision-making, kids repeatedly voiced that they appreciated their parents for being helpful, rather than instructive, talking with them about sexual topics, even though it was sometimes awkward. Nino, what kind of messages do you see adolescents have about sex and sexuality? Teens have different questions than tweens as it pertains to puberty, because they're in a different stage of puberty. They also might be having different types of relationships, developing for the first time, certain types of relationships romantically, sexually, and then also thinking about, you know, how consent can be a part of both age groups, but the way that maybe we explain it can be different because of their own life experience and the examples that feel more, I guess, imaginable for them, right? Having sorts of conversations that are relevant to their day-to-day life and also keeping in mind their developmental stages and uh, simultaneous where they are in their own identity development. Also, let's note that different teens are going to want to talk to different adults differently. Some teens feel more comfortable asking questions about sexuality and sex activity with their school counselors or teachers or coaches. I learn about all kinds of things playing Cards Against Humanity. Somehow, I accidentally saw some stuff on Reddit. I learned all that stuff from my big brother's friends. I learned about sex from the 8th graders. When I'm just scrolling through TikTok... And as much as we adult caregivers might believe this lets us off the hook, hey, my kid doesn't think I know anything anyway, they definitely don't want to hear my views on how intercourse is a sacred act of love between two middle-aged married people. No, they don't want to hear that. At least they don't want to hear it like that. But they do want to hear from you more than once. To know that you're available and open. To hear that anatomically correct language from you so they know what's taboo and what is natural and real. Teens just want you to be real with them. Let's hear from Maya and Nina who are at the forefront of changing the way we talk with adolescents about sex and sexuality. We interweave our our love and our kindness and extend it to all kinds of people. And it's no secret that trans kids have a much higher, and non-binary too, have a much higher rate of suicide success, not just attempts, but suicide success uh, than any other group. And we can be a part of changing that storyline. And I love that. And it's like you were saying, it's revolutionary. It shouldn't be, but it is. And we're just going to push it out there with to the best of our ability. And I think too, what's great is that we do have an an emphasis too, like you were sharing on um, bodies of all types, you know, body of all sizes, bodies of all abilities, and just really thinking about how, you know, we want everyone to be able to explore through their, their lifetime in all these ways, what feels good for them as it pertains to consent and sex and desire and pleasure and ways that feel safe. And that is something that I think we're missing in a lot of ways around us as it pertains to representations of sexuality. And, you know, um, I, you know, even to give an example, like, even when it comes to parents and moms, like they have children and they're desexualized in these ways, sometimes in the media. And it's like, we can hold space for everyone to have sensuality and sexuality and define what that is. And it gets to change over time and our bodies are changing and and we get to hold ourselves in that and, and be compassionate to each other with that. Well, that wraps up our episode. There's so much to say on this topic, but we gotta go make dinner. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is all about that devil you know and probably sleep next to. Social media and screen time doesn't make teens connected or addicted. How to handle privacy concerns and how to help your teen manage their time on social media without 
too much back and forth screaming. Thank you again to Maya Brooking and Nina Metzavara from One Medical, and to all you listeners who helped us pass the 500 download mark this week. Woohoo! Thanks to my kids, Six, and to Birdhouse Productions, where we make this all happen. May you be safe, may you be healthy, may you be free from suffering, and don't forget to wear sunscreen every day. Thank you.